As part of the basis for our explanation of the third commandment this morning, let's turn to Jeremiah chapter 7. The prophecy of Jeremiah chapter 7. There we will read verses 1 through 15. And then we'll turn to Proverbs chapter 18 and read one verse of Scripture there. Jeremiah chapter 7, 1 through 15. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah, that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if ye thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit, Will ye steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom ye know not, and come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations? Is this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. But go ye now unto my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first. He's speaking of the fact that the tabernacle was in Shiloh at first when the Israelites came into the land of Canaan. And see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. And now because ye have done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but ye heard not, and I called you, but you answered not. Therefore will I do unto this house which is called by my name, wherein ye trust, and unto the place which I gave to you and to your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all your brethren, even the whole seed of Ephraim. To that point we read the word of God there. Now Proverbs 18, verse 10. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. On the basis of those passages and many others, the Hutterberg Catechism helps us to understand the third commandment In Lord's Days 36 and 37, pages 21 and 22 in the back of your Psalter. Remember what the third commandment is. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. The Catechism asks us, what is required in that third commandment? That we, not only by cursing or perjury, but also by rash swearing, must not profane or abuse the name of God, nor by silence or connivance be partakers of these horrible sins in others. And briefly, that we use the holy name of God no otherwise than with fear and reverence, so that he may be rightly confessed and worshipped by us, and be glorified in all our words and works. 
Is then the profaning of God's name by swearing and cursing so heinous a sin that his wrath is kindled against those who do not endeavor as much as in them lies to prevent and forbid such cursing and swearing? It undoubtedly is, for there is no sin greater or more provoking to God than the profaning of his name. And therefore he has commanded this sin to be punished with death. May we then swear religiously by the name of God. Yes, either when the magistrates demand it of the subjects, or when necessity requires us thereby to confirm fidelity and truth to the glory of God and the safety of our neighbor. For such an oath is founded on God's word, and therefore was justly used by the saints both in the Old and New Testament. May we also swear by saints or any other creatures. No, for a lawful oath is calling upon God as the only one who knows the heart, and that he will bear witness to the truth and punish me if I swear falsely, which honor is due to no creature. Beloved of God, the third commandment has some things to say to us this morning. And the first thing that it has to say to us this morning is this. Abuser. 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 That's somewhat hard to hear. It's kind of shocking to us. We use that word abuser to describe someone who has assaulted physically or verbally or sexually their wife or children or someone else. Or use that word to describe someone who is an addict. They abuse drugs or they abuse alcohol. And the fact that the third commandment takes that word and applies it to all of us this morning does not, of course, take away from the horror of those particular sins. But the Catechism, on the basis of sacred Scripture, would have us all to see this morning that we are all particular kinds of abusers. We are abusers of the name. Listen to the third commandment as explained by the Catechism again. What is required in the third commandment? That we must not profane or abuse the name of God. And that is precisely what you have done and what I have done. What we all have done. We've abused the name. He's graciously granted to us His name. And we have abused it. To abuse something is to misuse it. It is to do violence to that thing. And we have done violence to His name. First of all, and most specifically, the name. Don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And most particularly, the third commandment is thinking there of the name Jehovah. Thou shalt not take the name of Jehovah thy God in vain. That's the name, Jehovah. It's not limited to that. It applies to all the names of God, but firstly and most specifically to that particular name. The name that God revealed to Moses 
when he was at the burning bush, when God was calling him to lead Israel out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to God, how are they going to know that you spoke to me, God, and that you set me up to be the leader of the people? What name shall I give to them when they ask me? Well, it's the name of this God who appeared to you in the burning bush. And God says, tell them that my name is I am that I am. Yahweh in Hebrew, and the way we pronounce it, Jehovah. His personal name, the name. A name that indicates that He's faithful always. He never changes. He's always the same. He keeps His covenant. He keeps His promises. I am. Not I was or I will be, but I always am. I'm faithful. Israel would know that their God appeared to Moses when He gave them that name. That name is repeated throughout the sacred Scriptures as the personal name of God. And that name is given even greater significance when we get to the New Testament and God names the Christ child with that name, calling Him Jesus, that is, Jehovah, salvation. This child is given the personal name of God, Jehovah, along with the word, saves so that his name is I am that I am saves. How anyone can deny the divinity of Christ after knowing that God gave him that particular name is beyond me. He's named with the name of Jehovah himself. He is Jehovah in the form in which it's necessary for Jehovah to save us. And as such, that babe who grows up and dies on the cross and rises and ascends into heaven, that divine and human being reveals Jehovah as Jehovah saves. And that's why he was named Jesus. That name reveals who Jehovah is, that he's I am that I am who saves. That's what God's names do, you see. They reveal God to us. God, as it were, pours himself into his name so that His names carry Him Himself, His character, who He is. So that when you touch His name, when you take His name upon your lips, you're touching God Himself. You're taking God upon your lips. All of His names, the name God, the name El Shaddai, all of His names, and these two names too, Jehovah and Jehovah saves. God's names are therefore quite different from our names. But maybe you say, not that different. My name is who I am too. If somebody calls out John or or Bill, I turn around if my name is John or Bill because I am John or I am Bill. That is my name. Yes, to a certain extent, but not quite the same. Your name is a label, a marker for who you are, but your name does not contain you. You are not poured into your name so that the essence of who you are is found in your name. Your parents naming you whatever they've named you. They have not taken the characteristics of you and said this name will be the expression of who you are. They couldn't do that. They didn't know what your characteristics would be. But God's names are different. They are revealing the essence of himself. He has poured himself into these names. His names are full of him. The same thing is true with his attributes. And that's why his attributes are also his names in the Bible. God is love. It doesn't mean merely that he has love or love is one of his attributes, although it does mean that too, but it means also that his name is love. Holy and reverend is His name. And that doesn't just mean that His name Jehovah, that name, His personal name, is holy and reverend, though it means that too. But it means holy is one of His names, and reverend is one of His names. His attributes are His names because His attributes reveal Himself, just like His names reveal 
himself. So that you see then, to take his name upon our lips, or to bear his name upon us, is not a light thing. This is a holy and heavy thing. A solemn thing. And we may not abuse that name. For if we do, we attempt to abuse Him who has been poured into His names. We launch an attack upon Him. We say something about Him that is not true about Him and that's an offense to Him. And the third commandment of the law of God tells us that that act, that abuse of His name, is taking His name in vain. Taking His name in vain. To take His name is to use His name. Or to be associated with His name in some way. To have His name upon you. That's to take His name. And to take His name is in vain is to take up His name, to use His name, or be associated with His name in such a way that you make it clear to everyone who hears you or sees you that this name is worthless. That this name is light. That this name is valueless. That's what the word vain means. It means nothingness. It means emptiness. It means mist that you wave your hand through. It means of no value. The word is often used in the Bible to describe idols. Jeremiah 18, verse 15, Because my people hath forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity. And you expect it to say there they've burned incense to idols. It is saying that, but with the word vanity. They've burned incense to vanity, to emptiness, to nothingness. Again, Jonah 2, verse 8, they that observe lying vanities, speaking of idols, they that observe lying vanities, forsake their own mercy. Psalm 31, verse 6, I have hated them that regard lying vanities, speaking of idols, but I trust in the Lord. Idols are empty, they're vain, they're nothing. And to take God's name in vain is to use His name in such a way that it leaves the impression with others that His name is as empty and valueless as a piece of carved stone. It's possible that we do that, abuse His name, take His name in vain, under three categories. Three categories. By our speaking, first. By our not speaking when we should, second. And by our conduct, third. So first, it's possible that we abuse the name, take the name for a vain thing. By our speaking, the catechism calls that profaning the name. I pray that the wicked obsession of this culture and too much of even the church culture that uses God's name as an exclamation point, OMG, has not affected you and me. As though his name is so light and so meaningless that all it's good for in this culture is to communicate, wow, or that was exciting. Men take his name as a light thing, using it that way as an expression of shock. It's an abuse of his name. It's an attack upon his name. It leaves the impression that his name is light, that it carries no weight, that it's valueless, it's empty, and it ought never be heard amongst God's people. The same thing is true of the word hallelujah, which takes his name in it. How often 
Don't you hear people use that name this way? Their team hasn't scored for three quarters, and now it's the fourth quarter, and finally they get the ball into the end zone. Hallelujah! You're out looking for a certain kind of flower. You went to one store, not there. Another store, it's not there. The third store, finally it's there. Hallelujah! Do you know what hallelujah means? The last part of that, Yah, is simply a shortened form of the name Jehovah. It's the name. And hallelujah means praise. Hallelujah simply means praise to Jehovah. I'm going to use that name flippantly in that word. We're taking it in vain. We're abusing it, making it a light thing. Don't say it lightly. Don't say it flippantly. It's no different than saying, OMG. We can break this commandment, take His name in vain. Children, young people, by making jokes or hearing jokes that take God or Christ or spiritual things for flippant, empty, weightless things. We could take His name upon our lips as a vain thing. If we pray in vain repetitions, dear God, we just God want to God, thank you God and praise you God because God the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Making it a light thing to take the name of God upon our lips. Or using His name in prayer in such a way that we don't even think about it. That I'm taking the name of the Holy God upon my lips. And I'm touching Him. I'm holding Him. I'm grasping Him in this name when I pray. Dad and Mom... When you pray yourself, when you pray at the table, you stop for a second to remember what you're doing to take the great name of the mighty God upon your lips. Or just go through the motions and say these words and phrases and His name is empty. It's a light thing to take His name upon my lips. What about you children when you pray? Have you ever done one of these? Lord bless this food and drink for Jesus. I want pepperoni. You're saying His name. This is the name of the mighty, glorious, gracious, and good God that you're taking upon your lips. Don't say it lightly. Lord, bless this food. We take His name in vain if we come to church on the Lord's Day and we sing songs to Him that take His name upon our lips, but we do it thoughtlessly, just going through the motions or reciting the Apostles' Creed where we take His names in a confession of truth about Him. All the world can hear me. This is what I believe about my God, but I'm not paying any attention. And it's just coming out of me like it's nothing, like it's weightless. We take His name in vain. If we take vows in His name, and don't take them seriously and don't keep them or think that they are something that you just go through and it's not to be taken with all that much seriousness. That's what Lord's Day 37 is about. In oaths, in vows, we take God's name and say, by God, I swear, I vow, I will do this. Whether the government requires us to take an oath or a vow or the office bearers of the church, which they may, in times when they need to know beyond the shadow of any doubt if you're telling the truth or not, they put you under oath. In the name of God, when we make our vows, our marriage vows, our baptism vows, our confession of faith vows, our vows as office bearers in the church, we're taking the name of God upon our lips. And if we don't take those vows seriously, we're making His name a light thing a vain thing. We can take His name in vain, abuse His name by our speaking His name as though it carries no weight. Secondly, we can be guilty of taking His name in vain by not speaking when we ought to speak. The Catechism says that the third commandment forbids taking His name in vain by silence or connivance being partakers of these horrible sins in others. Connivance 
is secretly giving tacit approval to somebody else taking the name of God in vain by not doing anything about it, not saying anything. It ought to cut you and me to the heart to hear someone take the name of the glorious God of heaven and earth and use it in such a light and vain and empty way. And we ought to say something about it If it's somebody that you know, you ought to say something about it right away. If it's somebody that you don't know very well, find the right time. Be wise about it. Someone you work with who just keeps doing this over and over and over again. Maybe you wait until the shift is over and you pull them aside briefly and say, you know, I enjoy working with you, but you're taking the name. God... This is the God who made everything here and made you and made me. You're taking his name as though it's nothing. Sometimes I've said to people when they say OMG, is he? And then they're very confused and I have to explain, is he your God? You've just said, Is he? And sometimes it opens up a nice conversation, an opportunity to witness. I don't do it as often as I should. But we break the third commandment. If it can bear the abuse of his name and say nothing. We break the third commandment when by our connivance we partake of the taking of his name in vain in others through the various forms of media. At least, if we don't click it off when it happens. I read a while ago that the Lord's name is taken in vain an average of 18 times per hour on regular television programming. That's astounding. Are you going to allow that to keep going in your home? Or click the button? But our misuse of God's name by silence can be more. It can be the silence of not going the way of Matthew 18 when one of our brothers or sisters who bears the name of God upon them, who God has associated His name with and tied His reputation to in this earth, when one of them walks headlong into sin, consciously, willingly, into sin, and we say nothing as though it's a light thing for God's name to be taken into that sin, it could be the silence of not using His name as often as we should in the right way. There's a proper use of His name, of course. He's given it to us for a reason. It's to be used to pray to Him and to praise Him And when we don't use it that way, are we not communicating that His name is light, it's vain, it's empty, it's not really worth that much, it's not a strong tower that the righteous can run to and be safe? If we're using His name only here on the Lord's day, are we not saying it's too light, it's too worthless to be used in in regular life, it's not worth anything If we use His name when we sing here in church, when we pray here in church, but then it's like we put it in a little envelope and put it in our mailbox here in the narthex, go to our life, don't use His name again until we come back, take it out, use it in church, repeat. We're saying that His name is vain. It's empty. It's worthless. We take the name of the Lord in vain by our speech, by our failure to speak, and thirdly, by our sinful conduct. Because, you see, God gives His name to us not only to be used upon our lips, 
But he places his name upon us as his people, as his children in the midst of this world, so that whether we are speaking or not speaking, we represent him in the midst of this world. We bear his name. We are Christians. His name is upon us. He always did this with his people throughout Scripture. 2 Corinthians 33 verse 4. He built altars in the house of the Lord. Wherefore, the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. Upon my people, there shall my name be forever. In Jeremiah 7 verse 12 that we read this morning, he says the same thing regarding the tabernacle in Shiloh. But go ye now unto my place which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first. He puts his name right amongst us, right in the midst of us, and upon us in his church. We bear his name. We are Christians. We are Christ ones. When we are baptized, we are baptized into his name. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. His name is placed upon us. We carry it as our banner in the midst of this world. When we make confession of faith, we make that our own spiritually. We consciously and willingly say, I am of this name. I am under the banner of this name. I will live my life under His name as a representative of His name in this world. God, you see, has in certain ways tied His own reputation in this earth to the people that bear His name. And when we live in hypocrisy, we live in disobedience to Him. We're taking His name in vain. We're saying it's weightless. It's meaningless. It's nothing to bear God's name. It doesn't affect our life at all. We do something to his reputation in the midst of this world. Israel was doing that. They would come to the temple in Jeremiah 7. And they would worship the Lord and then they would go back to their weak and they would break the law of God with impunity and they would say, well, as long as we call upon His name in church on Sunday, as long as we use His name in the temple, we're fine. We may do as we please. And God says, no, you mate. You bear My name upon you wherever you are throughout the week. And how dare you go out there with My name upon you and act like it's weightless, a vain thing, and then come to church all pious and holy and use my name as though you think that it's weighty. When you don't, you make my house, the house of God, called by my name, a den of robbers. You rob me of my honor in my own house. And Jehovah says, go and look what I did to Shiloh when they tried that there. And how my judgments fell upon them there. The same is going to happen to you if you don't repent. Turn and understand that my name is weighty that I place upon you. Young people, you take that name with you, young adults. When you go to school, when you go to work, his name is upon you. Adults, all of us, Wherever we are, we go to the gym, we go to the store, we go to work, we go out with friends, and you sit in your home and nobody's around. That name is upon you. You bear his name. When you write those texts on your phone, his name is upon you. Will we call upon his name? as though it's a heavy thing on one day in the week, and then go live with His name upon us, as though it's a vain thing and a light thing and a meaningless thing through the week. That's an abuse of His name. That's violence done to His name. Abuser, 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 abuser. The remedy for the regenerate people of God is first of all, beloved, to recognize 
how not light this name really is. And what a gift it is that God gives us all of His names by which we might know Him and relate to Him, have fellowship with Him in the use of. What a gift that He's revealed His personal name to you and says, here you may know it and know what it means and you may use it, have it upon your lips. And what a gift that He gives us all of His names and all of His attributes and says you may use them. God is holy. He's absolutely holy. And because He pours His holy being, as it were, into His names, His names are holy too. And so the catechism says that we are to use them in no other way than with reverence and awe. Reverence is the recognition of holiness. The recognition that this is unique, that this name is set apart, that it is other, and that I am doing something marvelous by taking this name upon me. That's why so often in Scripture, God calls His own name holy. Leviticus 22, verse 2, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons, that they profane not my holy name. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 10, Glory ye in his holy name. Ezekiel 36, verse 20, They profaned my holy name, but I had pity for my holy name. You know why? There was that veil between the holy place and the most holy place in the temple. In large part, it was for protection. Do you remember what God said when He came down upon Mount Sinai? And the lightning and the thunder. And He told Moses, keep the people back. Don't let them go any closer than this, lest my holiness break forth upon them and consume them. That's why there had to be a veil there. He is so holy that if He is going to dwell in the midst of His people, Israel... His holiness would break upon them for their sins until the blood comes and covers those sins. And then that veil may be rent. In Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah sees his vision of God high and lifted up in the temple and the angels are there before Jehovah God, what are those angels saying? They are crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's the only name or attribute of God that is ever lifted to the third power in sacred Scripture. God is love, beloved. He is. But He's never called love, love, love. But holy, holy, holy. And the angels who are themselves holy beings, who are sinless, when they stand before Him, they are awestruck with His holiness that's on a plane so much higher than theirs. And they repeat it, and it's no vain repetition. But every time it lights upon their mind anew the weightiness of this God, holy. We sometimes don't think enough about all the aspects of what the angel said when he announced the birth of the Lord Jesus or the conception of the Lord Jesus to Mary. You shall call His name Jesus for He shall save them from their sins. We remember that part. He shall be called the Son of God. Remember that part. But we don't always remember that the angel said He shall be a holy thing. At this Holy God, holy, 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 came upon this earth amongst us in all of our putrid sin. And then He remained spotless while He was here. He didn't have to go hide in a closet in order to remain the Holy One. But He walked amongst us. He lived in the midst of our filth and yet was holy, undefiled, separate from sin. He is holy, holy, holy. What did Isaiah do when he saw God high and lifted up, when he heard those angels crying out, holy is this God? 
He cried out under the conviction of his sin. I am a man of unclean lips. I break the third commandment. I don't honor his holiness. When I take his name upon my lips like I ought, I don't see how glorious it is. I I think of it way too light. Don't take him lightly. And don't take his name lightly. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. His name is holy, for he is holy. And everyone here is guilty, including myself. And if we really understood, our knees would be knocking. But may, that, may they not only be knocking, may they give way so that we fall upon them and cry out to this God, Holy One, forgive me for thinking that your name is so light when it is great, for abusing your name for doing violence to your name, for not understanding the gift that your name is to me. And then in the irony of all ironies, beloved, turn yourself in faith to the very name that you have abused for safety. Every single one of us deserves not only the stoning of the Old Testament, that was the Old Testament punishment for taking his name in vain, but we deserve hell for our sin against the third commandment. And nobody here is innocent. We are all guilty, abusers of the name of God. And God will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. It must be punished, and it will be punished. Either it will be punished in you, or it will be punished in the Lord Jesus Christ on your behalf. And for the repentant, who by a fruit of grace do fall on their knees and say, I see my sin, and appeal to this Lord Jesus Christ, you may be assured that he has punished it in his only begotten Son, his Son whom he has named Jehovah saves. Now you know the significance of the charge that the chief priests brought against the Lord Jesus the night of his betrayal and his trial before Friday morning when he was hung upon the cross. When under that trial, they got him to say to them, I am the Son of God. And immediately the uproar amongst the Sanhedrin and the chief priests, you've heard blasphemy. He's taken God's name upon his own self, upon a man, as though God's name was so light that it could be upon this man here. It's blasphemy. And they said, what think you, Sanhedrin? They all condemned him to death for blasphemy. He was no blasphemer, beloved. He really was the Son of God. He alone could have that name upon him in human flesh. But at the same time, He was legally guilty of the sin of blasphemy. Not of his own, but of yours and of mine. Our blasphemy, our abuse of the name. So that abuser, 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 but most astoundingly, abuser. That he was willing to stand there And to have that sentence passed upon him, though he is no abuser, to communicate to us that he bore our blaspheming words upon his own self. And we go to the cross to bear what you and I cannot bear. The one who always spoke when he should have spoken, and with the reverence for God, 
and the one who never spoke when he should not have spoken, and the one whose conduct was always honoring the name that was upon him perfectly from the heart in love for God, went to the cross to die and to atone for our silence when we should have spoken, for our speaking when we should have remained quiet, and for our lives that have brought shame to the name that's been placed upon us. So that the very name that we have dishonored is the name by which we are saved from our dishonor of the name. That's the marvel of the gospel. That's the marvel of his name, Jehovah Salvation, that he redeems blasphemers and brings them into the arms of the one whom they've blasphemed. And that the God of all glory, whose name is holy as he is, says, come to him now. This is why I've named him this. That you might come with your sins against the third commandment. Come, cry to him, call his name, and find salvation and peace and life in him. And when he brings us to him, he's so gracious, he's so merciful, that then he says this, and yet again, will I put my name upon you? And yet again, will I give you my names to use, to take upon your lips? It's pure love. It's pure grace. He still says, I want you to use my name, to call upon me, to come close to me by the use of it. He still says, Isaiah 52, 6, my people shall know my name. He still says, John 17, 26, I have declared unto them my name and will declare it Can you imagine if he took it away? What would your life be like? If he said, you may not use my name, one more, you have dishonored my name. You may not pray using my name. You may not sing my name in church. You may not take my name upon your lips once more the rest of your life. Can you imagine the coldness distance between us. But in His mercy and grace, in spite of our dishonorings of His name, in Jesus Christ, He says, take it again. Use them again. I put my name upon you again. What a gift of His grace. What are you going to do now? going to go out there and treat his name like it's a light thing? Like it's weightless to be a people who bear his name upon you? To take his name upon your lips? As though it's nothing? Are you going to go out there and be neutral in this world with regard to Him? We're not neutral. We're for Him in everything. At school, at work, at the gym, at the store, everywhere. When people come into contact with us, they have not entered the no-spin zone. Everything's going to be spun. Everything's going to be spun towards Him. Under His name we live. Under His banner we exist. He is our God. Sovereign Jehovah saves And we're going to plead his name as the strong tower to which we run and find safety. His name is not a breached wall. It is a strong tower. It's impenetrable. Run to it in your life. Run to it. Doesn't that show that it's not vain? That it has some weight to it? That it has some value? That it's not empty? That you run to it? that you use it, that you go there and say, here is my safety, here is my strength. Sometimes our trials can be so great and so heavy that we can hardly even muster up the strength to pray anymore. 
It's not that we're being rebellious in our hearts and souls. It's that we have hardly anything left. So exhausted from carrying this burden. So that we say with Asaph in Psalm 77 verse 4, I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. Sometimes we're so burdened by our sins, beloved, that we can hardly pray. We're so ashamed of them. We're so tired of them and the battle against them. And we're so disappointed in ourselves. I who bear His name have done dishonor. I've abused His name. I've treated it as though it's a light thing. I've brought His name into sin. And I can hardly mouth the words anymore. I'm so ashamed before Him. At least cry His name. At least run to the strong tower of His name and cry out and mean it. Oh my God! And find there the peace for your soul. The hope for your life. Relief. Comfort. He has chosen to give you His names. He has chosen to place His name upon you in the midst of this world. What a gift. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth to it and are safe. Amen. Heavenly Father, bless Thy Word to our hearing this morning. And give us to stand in awe of the gift of Thy name. Jehovah, salvation, deliver us from the guilt of our carrying that name as a light thing. And give us strength to hold that name with joy, with confidence, and with hope. In Jesus' name, amen.